if, as Paul Drucker allegedly said, culture eats strategy for breakfast, how do we get better at creating and understanding culture? We asked the chief culture fairy. What did she say? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. Now, Peter Drucker is reputed to have said, and if he didn't say this, he probably should have, culture eats strategy for breakfast. We all know how critically important culture is in an organization Even if that organization is only you and an assistant, it doesn't really matter how big you are. In point of fact, I could make the argument that culture is important when you're small for a lot of different reasons. Now, we always enjoy talking about corporate culture here on Shift Shapers, but I have never in almost 400 episodes and almost eight years of doing this had the pleasure of speaking to a chief culture fairy. Until today, we've invited Nikki Fielding, who is chief fairy at Conscious Culture Fairy, it actually says that on her business card, not making this up, to talk to us a little bit about a couple of different ways you can help differentiate your practice, but also about corporate culture and why it's so important and how you get it and how you can screw it up. Welcome, Nikki. Thank you so much, David. Thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure. Can you help us level set? Can you help the audience level set? Define corporate culture for us. Ooh, that's a great question. I think it's broad. For me, I like to just make it simple so we can come up with really long-winded answers about what that means. But at the end of the day, I call it the heartbeat of a company. So your culture defines the pulse and the breath of your people, your teams, the engagement. And you, know, you can liken it to school and sports and anything else. Like when there's that magic and a truly engaged team that has an aligned vision, works towards them, that's the stuff that moves mountains and creates miracles and creates awards. So really kind of considering core Corporate culture, having that same pulse and the ability to align people around a common goal and achieve goals that may be beyond your wildest imagination. You may have a revenue target and a profitability target, certainly should if you're a business owner and a leader. But when you have a culture that is aligned towards those and encourages engagement and emotionally connected teams, understanding of what's going on between different divisions and how your piece in the process and your role impacts other people in the organization that can really create magic in the workplace. And so that's how I would define culture, simply as the heartbeat of the company. Now, would you say that whether you set out to be intentional and build a culture or whether you don't, you have a culture regardless? A hundred percent. So where there's people, there's a vibe. (laughs) You know, another simple way to boil it down, there's a vibe. When groups of people come together, there's an energy present. And so if you have more than one person working together, there's an energy associated with that. The only fallacy is, is you not really being clear on what energy is that. 
you know, as people think through culture change and there's a lot of buzzwords going on and a lot of attention to the need to really change corporate culture, it starts with understanding what information is out there. And I feel like people get stuck on this one. Sometimes they say, you know, I don't know how to get this information. Like, what is, how is our culture perceived? Here's our vision and mission and values. That's our culture. So, well, that's what you want it to be. <laughs> that's what you've written down. But is that what's being translated to the human beings in your organization who come in with their own set of beliefs and backgrounds and were raised differently and may perceive even the words that you've written differently than you do? If you ask five different people to interpret a vision statement, they may give you five different answers. So it's the job of the leaders to make sure that it's translated in a way that everybody can understand. So how do you take that mix of all of those different ingredients? Let's say you have five or 10 or 20 employees who all do come in with their own kind of viewpoints and their own way of doing stuff and their own vantage point and their own mindset and who all read a mission statement or a vision statement or a values statement differently. How as a leader do you take all of that difference and meld it into a corporate culture that is what you want to deliver to your clients? It starts with something more business leaders should get comfortable with if they're not already, and that's giving up control. <laughs> so we all are passionate about, I'm a business owner myself, so I understand the fear that can go into giving up control of your own vision and mission. However, if you don't truly engage your teams and engaging is give them some ownership. So I say, turn it back to the people you're working with and ask them, and there's tools. You don't have to go around and have a conversation. They may not be comfortable giving you their full opinions, but you can do tools, any personality profile, disc profile, situation leadership, EQ tests, start to get a feeling of where are people today in your organization and use even anonymous surveys to get feedback on what do they believe are the pros and cons? You know, what would they like to keep, get rid of, or change in your organization? Those are three simple questions to ask of your people. Start, stop, continue. (laughs) What should we start doing? What should we stop doing? What should we continue doing? Once you have that information, knowledge is power. So now you know where is a disconnect. Most business leaders are very smart. So once you have data, you're able to really empower yourself through that data. Okay, there is a disconnect. I'm seeing gaps. And then it's time to just simply be honest with yourself. Do I have the skill sets to address these gaps if they exist? Or do I need to bring in an expert who can drive this in the right way because it's outside of my skill set or it's not outside of my skill set, but I simply have too much on my plate? to take on another role this large. You know, I've seen some companies do these assessments and what the leaders struggle with after the assessment is done is going, okay, well, this is the way this person likes to work and this is the way this person is most effective, et cetera. How do I bring all those together? Because it it may actually look more disparate than it did in your brain before you did the survey, before you did the assessments. How do you start doing that as a leader? Do you get everybody in a room and talk about it, assuming you're comfortable? Or is it edicts from above? Well, I think it's a fantastic question because you're right. It's a starting point. And it's also the ending point for most organizations that I've seen express interest in culture change is, all right, let's get some feedback. We have it. There's a gap. This is overwhelming. I'm out. <laughs> let's, right. Let's that's just that's pray what I'm for, talking about. Pray for the best. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So in my opinion, it's engaging experts. If it's outside of your skill set and you see a gap and you don't know what to do to solve it, ask yourself if it was something of top-line P&L responsibility, if it was impacting your revenue or key expense items, and you said, oh, there's a gap here, there's a possible issue, I don't know what to do about it and don't have the skill sets, would you set that aside and say, well... (laughs) 
not going to worry about that one. I'll just put it aside. Or would you perhaps invest in resources that are already existing today with consultants and experts who could educate you on the steps to do it? In my experience from personal experience, having driven some significant culture change in various divisions is it starts with servant leadership and leading with empathy. And you don't need everybody in a room because too many opinions can clutter the right thing to do. You want to get everybody's opinion and empower them to feel their opinions are valid and they matter and you're addressing them. But the way you address them is leading from the front. I think it's important that you have top line leadership or you're hiring people who have this skill set to do a really forensic approach to your organization. Look at the various roles, look at the handoff between divisions, do some talking to people and ask them if you have somebody in the finance realm, ask them some questions about marketing in your organization and what does marketing do? And it may be very eye opening to figure out what finance knows about what marketing's doing and vice versa or sales support, whatever organizations and divisions you have, there's usually a massive disconnect in most organizations today where they're very siloed. People don't understand what the other people are doing, let alone how their role impacts people who are outside of their silo. So I say it starts with bridging that gap and whether it's a leader in your organization or consultant, really kind of breaking down those silos and eventually it's not just the leader who's done that. Somebody has to get the assessment and understand where we're going. But once you have that understanding of where we're going, you do engage the people with it and say, hey, marketing, wouldn't it benefit you? What are your long-term career goals? And they may say, you know, I want to be a chief marketing officer. Great. You're going to have to understand more about P&L level responsibility to get there and also how to communicate effectively cross-departmentally to other stakeholders. So I want you to be mentored by our CFO or a director in finance and start to learn that information. You expose people to each other and let them both build relationships, which are really key in the workplace, and level up their skills and have a better understanding of the various roles in your organization and how they're interconnected. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about servant leadership. And there are some great books available if, if you want to start there. It's a terrific place to start. The granddaddy of servant leadership is a fellow named, I believe his first name was Robert, but it's Greenleaf. And his book is still out there. And it's kind of the seminal text. But it, it's funny because, you know, Disraeli said, I am their leader. I must follow them. And as you said earlier, it's difficult sometimes for C-level people to not be the big Guga I guess, you know, being the chief fairy, you, you have the same kind of a problem. You know, you've got to listen to your folks and understand what's going on. Nikki, how do you spot bad culture in an organization? Let's say you're somebody who's out interviewing and it's one of the things that, that's really important to you as it is to a lot of the folks who make up most of the workforce right now by age and experience. How do you spot bad culture? What are some telltale signs? Ooh, this is a great question. <laughs> it starts for me with the recruiting process, and that is even down to the job description. So my experience, both as a hiring manager and having pursued jobs of my own and applied to them myself, are we've gotten pretty ridiculous about our job descriptions and about the bullet points. I, I actually got an email the other day unsolicited, and it was not a position I'm interested in, but I read it because I was, and interestingly, it ties in very well here. I didn't read it. I saw how many bullet points there were under key responsibilities, and I wanted to count them. It was a fairly line level job, just a very like mass, like, hey, you're, you're in this industry. I'm sending it to everybody. 25 different key responsibilities of the job for a and pretty entry level position. And I was like, who are you expecting to find at what you're offering compensation wise? Who has all and then I had a couple different bonuses like these would be nice to have. I'm like, okay, so you're looking for somebody off the street who has 25 really strong key skill areas and several others that were advanced level. So that is a red flag to me. The job description, there's many that I would never apply for because it immediately jumps out at me that this is not a culture. Then I encourage everybody to 
ask during job interviews. You know, what is your favorite thing about working here? Those questions. And those are just questions I ask when I'm networking as well. And you can ask your people. So that's a really easy way to translate it is don't be afraid to take your best practices when maybe looking for a new position into just conversations with your people and do a walk and talk, you know, going to get coffee. It can be very organic. Like, hey, what do you like best about working here? Is there anything you'd change? Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate your feedback. Little things like that start kind of getting the feedback and the ball rolling. And now, a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now back to our discussion. So just to kind of bring this back towards the benefits universe, which is someplace I know you practice, what are some of the things that you do to help bring employees different kinds of benefits that also serve to help build the culture in the organization? Well, I'll answer with my vision. Some of these things I've I've actually done and some are things I intend to do and prove. So I'm I'm going to address both of them. But one is really listening to them and understanding what benefits that matter. And this is where I say empathy is so important. If you build relationships where people are comfortable talking to you, they will tell you what the stressors are in their life. I'm really privileged. That's my my biggest honor is that people who've been on my team will tell me how stressful it is at home with their kids or in a marriage. You know, we all have things going on, not at all the time, but like there's always things going on behind the scene and somebody's a caretaker for their mother. I'm really, really close to those things. I know that this person's mom is in and out of the hospital and this person's mom is elderly and suffering from dementia. This person has been struggling with two people working at home and transitioning to homeschooling their children. So knowing those things brings the question of what benefits really matter. I have a different take on this than some, and so certainly don't have to agree with me and you're welcome to your opinions, but traditional benefits like a 401k, that just doesn't get anybody to retirement. You have to be doing other investing strategies. So if companies are investing a ton of money in that match, that's very real dollars showing that you care about your people. But could that be invested in something that actually solves for key stressors in people's lives that prevent them from showing up as the best version of themselves in work and getting the results that you're hoping for? And those things typically tie into physical, mental, emotional, and financial wellness. So I encourage people to look at those options differently. There's umpteen things. I'm super passionate about the healthcare revolution and established member of that. So alternative access to healthcare, like the membership sharing models and direct primary care. But it extends beyond that, being willing to look at things that address things like fertility. There are membership-based programs that provide emotional support and community around people who are struggling with fertility. And so fertility is expensive. I don't expect every company to have the budget to step in and say, here's $30,000 to solve this problem. But could you spare $25 a month to give somebody enhanced mental and emotional support in a community around a really big struggle they're facing in their life? I think a lot of us as business leaders miss the boat that there are existing solutions that are outside of the box and maybe we haven't presented as a benefit, but perhaps we should be. Yeah. You know, I don't know. We interviewed somebody a few months back 
from a company that provides that kind of support and whatnot. And it, it got a lot of response. Mm-hmm. Are there other existing solutions? I know you're you're really keen. We talked about this off the air, but you're really keen on finding existing things, not reinventing mm-hmm. wheels and connecting those to the populations that you help advise. What are some of the other things that, that are out there and that make a difference without breaking the bank? Yeah. So again, at all budget points, experiences, that is what drives and connects people and tends to drive a positive culture because connected people are working together more effectively and feel that there's a bigger purpose behind what they're doing than just going in and typing on their keyboard all day. So investing in some of those experiences, and I understand it's tough, especially for people who don't have a background in working remotely and are still kind of struggling through that transition. But there are quite a variety of existing solutions, like using virtual reality for really engaging team building experiences, using experiential arts to drive strategic change management, bringing people closer through the use of arts and music. And and there's a very functional leadership and development angle. It's not just, hey, let's play some music and get close. It's it's a well-thought-out leadership development program that incorporates arts and virtual reality and different experiential things that bring people together and get better results. On the benefits side, I think those are more aligned with culture change. On the benefits side of the house, again, it comes down to engagement for me. So really looking at what you're spending and what do people understand. There's often a disconnect where people say, this is the healthcare plan I have, but I have no idea how to use it. So even just starting with educating people and being a resource to make sure that they can get the most out of the benefits you are providing is a starting point. And then considering things like, can I provide enhanced offerings that may be totally outside of the box? How can we make that happen? Are there things that we can change strategies with healthcare, for instance, a huge expense, usually top five expense items for any business owner. Can we go to some of these healthcare revolution products like the membership cost bearing, Sidera, Direct Primary Care, HypNation, those guys, there's a million out there. Honestly, these are a few that I know of, but a million out there solutions that exist that typically save money and provide better access to care. So if you can save enough money on a top line expense item, then you can start investing in things like, is there a way to get people more education on financial wellness and investing strategies? Not everybody was raised by a family that taught them about the importance of those things that can solve a very real stressor in people's life. And those are things that I encourage is really reaching out to solutions that exist, even including things like energy healing modalities. These are things that senior level, really successful business people, some of the top of the top are investing in for their personal strength, kind of healing through Reiki, NLP for neuro-linguistic reprogramming of the nervous system, um, subliminals, using these things to enhance and develop your mindset, bringing those to your employees as a benefit, it can be as inexpensive. Some of the stuff is on YouTube. It's free. <laughs> Just making your employees aware of it, let alone there's companies and a lot of people who are certified and have years, if not decades of experience and results in the outcomes of incorporating these practices. If I'm a C-suite level person and I, you know, I'm really just by nature of my job, not because I want to, I'm kind of detached from what happens in the day-to-day lives of a lot of the folks who work for me. Do you encourage folks, I know know benefits decisions are usually made by people with C in their title. Mm -hmm. Do you encourage folks to bring employees into the benefits design process or do you do any kind of survey mechanism of employees so that you learn what those stressors are and kind of how you might be most helpful to a given population? I think you should, but I think you need to start early. So yes, I think knowledge is power, but it's phased. You know, if you have your annual enrollment and you've got one month to go, it's probably not time to survey a bunch of people. You haven't given yourself 
time to get the information plus research alternate solutions that exist plus <laughs> handle annual enrollment and communicate that to your teams. So that's where I say it's a phased approach. The thought process needs to be, what do I not know that's important for me to know and start kind of going down that road. So whether it's assessments, whether it's getting employee feedback, what benefits matter than you, running surveys, having that long before you need to actually make the change and then realizing based on that feedback, is this something that we have the existing skills, time, money, and resources and people to accomplish on our own in my organization? Or do I need to bring in an expert to kind of walk us through this process? And that decision's up to each business owner. They know it's right. We've got just a couple of minutes left. I'm, I'm interested in how once a company goes down this road, they make it known because the hiring market, the labor market is crazy. Even in the new hybrid workforce where you can hire from pretty much any place, you still have to provide these benefits to attract and retain the best employees. How do they go about letting folks know? Or does word just get out when you've got a, a different kind of a mousetrap and it's really serving the the needs of the employees? You know, that's something I'm trying to solve for. So I... I have been, I'm a connector and I've been networking in the healthcare revolution for about a year and a half and trying to educate myself. There's a tremendous, I mean, hats off to everybody listening and getting benefits. The amount of information you have to know to be in this world is truly staggering. This is not my background. I, I was licensed in April of this year. So I'm a newbie, but I'm a really good listener. <laughs> I can pride myself on that. And so I was listening to people's stories and realized that the solution often exists. And that's kind of my mission at the Conscious Culture Fairy is to be a connector. So I have something called paid advice giving. <laughs> you know, explain to me the problem in your organization and I will connect you to one or more resources. There's multiple options. So you can ask around if that's not something that interests you ask around, start asking people, start following things on LinkedIn, looking at people who are talking about engaged culture, culture change, benefits that matter, healthcare revolution. They're all out there and there's a lot of different amazing solutions and amazing people who are really passionate about what they do. The only risk is just not taking the chance to say, hey, can I get on a 15 minute or a 30 minute conversation with you and understand what I may be missing so that I can make the right decisions for my business? Yeah, folks are always willing to share their knowledge and, and you just have to ask. They don't, mm -hmm. most people don't go walking around blurting stuff out, but if you ask, they'll be happy to, to share what they've learned with you because they want the community to be better. Yeah, I think it's one of the unifying things of being human. It's like we all feel good when we can help somebody else. And especially if it's something as simple as a five-minute conversation, I am struggling here. You know what? You should try this, this, and this. That makes us feel good and it makes us unified. And it also creates a positive energy transaction where the other person's like, you know what? That's awesome. I just got so much help and I want to pay it forward, whether I can repay the person who helped me or help the next person. So that's another thing I'm really passionate about, conscious collaboration and people helping people. And that is a great place to end our conversation for today. Nikki Fielding, Chief Fairy at <laughs> Conscious Culture Fairy. Nikki, thanks so much for being the Chief Fairy and for sharing some of your fairiness with us. Thank you so much, Dana. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.